0: The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show. We've got another great one for you tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about miracles. Who doesn't need one right now? Many of us think that we've actually experienced a miracle throughout the course of our lives. Well, Dr. Michael Grosso will be... Uh, with us uh, to talk about his book, which is called Smile of the Universe, Miracles in the Age and the Age of Disbelief. And uh, he's studied them extensively. He's got some really interesting insight. And that's what we'll be talking about tonight with Dr. Michael Grosso. We don't have a whole lot more to talk about before we bring our guest. And I do want to remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Look for J.V. Johnson on YouTube. Also, go to Twitch. Find the J.V. Johnson Twitch channel. Follow that at the least. If you can subscribe, even better. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe to the Twitch channel just by linking the account, and there's no fee to do that. But you have to renew it every month. We've had a whole bunch of people that have used their Amazon Prime account to subscribe to our Twitch channel, and those subscriptions have expired. You need to renew them once a month. And again, there is no... There's no fee for any of that. Uh, there is a fee for a subscription if you don't use Amazon Prime, just so you know. Beyond that, visit us on Facebook. We'd love to see you there as well. My page is JVJ Paranormal, and, of course, the show's page is Beyond Reality Radio. So let's go to break. Let's get our guest on the line, and let's begin this conversation. Again, Dr. Michael Grosso is our, will be our guest, and he'll be talking about his book, Smile of the Universe, Miracles in an Age of Dis belief it's beyond reality and we'll be right back please support the program go to patreon.com johaw that's j-o-h-a-w this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg in williamsburg virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie a golfer a history buff a shopaholic an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We've got great guests every night, but tonight I'm really excited about having uh, Dr. Michael Grosso with us. We're going to be talking about his book called Smile of the Universe, Miracles in an Age of Disbelief. And I think that when things get difficult, and I don't, in my lifetime, I can't think of a time that things in general have been more difficult. Of course, individuals have difficult periods of their own. But as a country, as a globe right now, we're experiencing things that we haven't experienced since great wars like World War II or great pandemics like the Spanish flu pandemic of uh, 1917, 1918, and 1919. So when these things start to happen, sometimes we look for something that we would call uh a miracle to happen, to kind of change the course of this stuff. And we're going to find out what all of that means and uh, what Dr. Michael Grosso's uh, concepts are when it comes to miracles, because they can play an important part of our life if we let them. Mike, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you with us tonight.
1: Uh, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm really excited to have this conversation because, you know, there's just so many ways that you can define, uh, I think, what... Uh, the word miracle means. um, But I don't still not sure anybody could completely encompass it in, in a sentence or two. I think ideas vary from person to person. Let's start out by talking about the definition of the word. What are we talking about when we use the word miracle here?
1: Well, you know, it had the word miracle has a, a loose sense. We talk about the miracles of, of a child's smile, the miracles of science, but, uh, and that's good. I mean, that's a nice use of the word. But I, the way I use it in my book is first rhetorically. Uh, the word "smile" in the title, uh, because the root of the word "miracle" uh, in Sanskrit is "smai," and where where we get the word "smile." So that's the connection there. So, and I want to emphasize the character of events that uh, that astonish us; it caused wonder. I think you know that that's an important thing to have the sensitivity to things that are strange and amazing and wonderful. But uh, I'm also a uh, scientifically trained and philosophically uh, curious about how what makes these things so wonderful. And the so the second uh, sense in which I'm using the term is uh, quite simple. uh, Quite simply, the extra physical. Uh, In other words, events that uh, astonish us, but they really are not uh, explainable in terms of contemporary science. That doesn't mean they never will be. Uh, Science catches up with many things that at first may seem strange and miraculous. But uh, there's something about, there's a whole body of phenomena uh, that are stubbornly resistant to scientific uh, or materialistic uh, explanation. But these are often the most wondrous, the most challenging, and the most interesting kinds of phenomena. So that's those are the senses uh, that I, uh, in which I use the term miracle. And uh, it, of course, it has in many people's minds uh, an association with the intervention of God. And I'm not denying that, or I'm not affirming it. That's beyond my uh, uh, ability to speak. Too, but what I can speak to are the reports of people's experiences that fit the definition of uh, that I've just cited. And as for the ultimate explanation, uh, I can only guess or speculate. But uh, I think we can all agree, if we're willing to look at the data and the information, that there are such things as miracles, extraordinary human experiences, that seem to challenge our whole, that take us beyond reality. <laughs> <I guess> to
0: <the, laughs> nice, nice, coin a phrase, yeah, right? <laughs> nice nice way to tie that in. Um, and we're going to get into, because you, you, you put a lot into that answer, we're going to get into bits and pieces of it as we continue our discussion. But a little bit more about you. Uh, your work is very interesting. Based on the books that you've written, and you've written some really interesting books, how did you find yourself, first of all, thinking about these particular topics, let alone writing about them?
1: Yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable question, because most people don't. Uh, I, I have happen, just happen to have had, throughout my life, sporadically, I would say, uh, experiences that I really couldn't uh, explain, and in short, miracles or paranormal, supernormal phenomena. So I have experienced telepathy so commonly that it's it, I don't even pay too much attention to it, but really striking things like precognition back in 1981 i had three consecutive dreams about the attempted assassination of president reagan oh wow and 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 i reported them to my students as they occurred because they were because it was there were three times and and on the third i saw him the first two i saw him shot just exactly the way I saw it on television later, mm-hmm. and the third dream I saw him naked from the waist from the waist up, beaming with health. Now I didn't know what was going to happen, but I had reported to you know this to my students. And one day, as uh, one morning, a student of mine called me up, her voice trembling. Doctor Grosso, you're a psychic. The president was shot. And the first thing I said was, "But he's going to be all right, because in my third dream I saw him healthy." And sure enough. Uh, He he was wounded, seriously, but he recouped rather quickly. So I've had experiences like that. I've had uh, unusual—I performed an experiment once in which I levitated a 200-pound ex-Marine student in my class. I didn't levitate him. It was a kind of a game that kids play that they call light as a feather, and uh, I I won't go into the details of it, but I'm just mentioning the fact that, to answer your question, I've had a lot of unusual experiences. Uh, I could go on and on. And half of them I forget, and then I remember them. I, I, I haven't written them all down. I've written one book uh, about some of the most striking experiences that I've had. But um, uh, uh, but that's that's the reason. And in part, um, I was raised in a Catholic family. I should say mainly my mom was uh, very pious, and she always had these books around her the house. Uh, and I'd pick them up, and I'd notice some of them are quite interesting uh, stories about the uh, various kinds of uh, miracles and strange phenomena. And I learned something about Padre Pio, uh, who's a famous—in Italy, everybody knows Padre Pio. Uh, he's a kind of almost Christ figure. And so I learned about—I heard about these things when I was younger, and um, but mainly my experience. And this is the way it goes with most of my colleagues and the people who do research in these phenomena. Most of the time, it's because they've had some striking experience. And on the other hand, I know scientists uh, and philosophers who just pay attention to the data, and they themselves have never had such an experience, but they go by the data. But the thing that really opens folks up is if something strikingly strange and inexplicable happens to them, and then that often gets them uh, on the road to exploration. But anyway, that's, that's uh, my, my background. I,
0: I can't help but ask a couple follow-up questions to your experiences sure. here, particularly the, the precognitive dreams of Ronald Reagan being shot. Mm. How, how, far, mm-hmm. how far ahead of the event did you have those dreams? Good
1: question. Uh, I would say no more than two weeks. And the dreams uh, were separated by several days. You know, while these things were happening, I wasn't thinking about it. First, I had a dream. Okay, it's a dream. Uh, And then the second, well, when I got the third dream, I know from the literature and from previous experience that if you keep having the same kind of hint as it were, it, it usually adds up to something significant. But uh, I, I uh, uh, yeah, the, the the timing was within a period of three three or so weeks between the dreams and the actual final fulfilling event, uh, no more than three weeks, and and, and each dream was spread out uh, with several days gap between them
0: had you had experiences with precognitive dreams prior to that particular event or?
1: oh yes oh yes and so, i remember dreaming uh three times in a row about an explosion uh and uh, maybe this was a couple of years prior to that mm-hmm. and I, again i was my you know antennas went up because three in a row that usually it's like someone knocking on the door yeah, right, right. Uh, let me in and, uh, and this – but this time, I'll admit, it was a little less compelling because one day there was a I, – I didn't read newspapers too much at those, in those days. I was a student. Uh, and, and, but there was a, a report and a picture on the front page, I think it was the Daily News or it could have been the Times, showing an explosion that seemed to correspond to the explosion that I had dreamt of. But there were other times uh, that, I, that I that I've had, and since that time, I've had uh, some, uh, you know, precognitive uh, experiences. But uh, but the 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 three dreams of of Reagan was clearly the most dramatic and the most mm-hmm. striking uh, I, that that I recall. I
0: can only imagine what would have happened if you had phoned the Secret Service and said, "Listen, I've had these three yeah. dreams." You need to be yeah. really care, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, they probably right. would have. They probably have said, "Oh, we got to look at, we got to look into this guy."
1: <laughs> R- right. You know? no. Well, of course, I never thought of that until the third time. Yeah. Then, then it, then it, then it loomed, and, mm-hmm. and even then, I was, I don't know. I, when Striking things can happen to you, and you don't really think about it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it's a dream and a uh, transient images and you know, that that take place in while you're sleeping, and you don't think that this is going to amount to a big deal but sometimes it, it does
0: right and you i think you said something to the effect of and you experience um i think you said telepathy more often than you can even enumerate.
1: yeah i mean it, it happens so frequently uh you know i i, I will the the phone will ring i i just know who, you know who it who, is who the person is and it, it, and, it t- and it takes place in, in weird ways uh, if you like, I'll tell you a very quick story of a form of precognition, which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I used to have a, a, a girlfriend when I was a student. Uh, I, right, yeah, I was a, a younger student, I think. And um, I, but, but she was rather a fiery uh, a, a lady. And uh, one day I was sitting in my kitchen, and I got a tremendous earache in my left ear. Uh, out of the blue. There was no pain, nothing wrong, not sick. Mm-hmm. What the heck does that pain? Well, about 30 seconds later, the phone, which it was hanging on the wall to my left, uh, rang. And I pick up the phone, and it's just this beautiful gal friend of mine. She was just sitting with a fiery temper. And I forget what it was, but she was very angry with me, and she began to pommel me through my. Left. I had the phone in my left ear, and she almost gave me an earache. The the, the her <laughs> angry her angry blast and uh, it me. I saw this as a pure uh, 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 anticipation that the pain that I experienced because this is no explanation for the for the pain in my ear. Uh, I was anticipating. Symbolically, what I was about to experience. Uh, uh, anyway, that's how I construed that. Some skeptic might say now was just a coincidence. What do you, but That's how I saw it. What yeah.
0: do you think? Uh, how do? What do you attribute all of this phenomenon to? Not everybody experiences these things. A lot of people do, but not everybody does. Mm-hmm. Why do right. you? Why do you think you have experienced these things?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. I, 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 we don't know why. I, I, I think maybe. Uh, uh, I have no 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 explanation as to why that there is supposed to be. I get at the feeling that it, these abilities, if you want to call them abilities, run in the family. And my mother was mm-hmm. uh, somewhat uh, psychic, I would say, and my and my older sister was, and she once had a dream of me. Uh, in a, having an accident out west, and it wasn't me that had the accident; it was me who witnessed an accident. Mm-hmm. But you picked up the whole thing and just put the, projected it onto me naturally because I was a brother. So m- maybe it runs in the family a, a little bit. I've, I've had I've t- been told that I have aunts and uh, uh, that uh, and my grandmother apparently had some abilities. So maybe that's an explanation. But the more interesting question is why does anybody have? Experiences like this, and uh, I—the uh, I, only thing I can say is that there may be some differences in the way our brains are constructed, so that there, some of us tend to be more uh, less resistant uh, to uh, impressions, mental impressions arriving at us from the outside uh it's as though the 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 the, the lower uh the, the threshold of awareness has to drop before you pick up things more more vividly but again we don't know the the science of that is 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 primitive uh, and if not non non existent but uh, it, uh as a more general ex- possible explanation we have to assume that at some level, uh, you know, especially the, the business about precognition is extremely puzzling. I mean, it seems logically impossible mm-hmm. to know about something before it's actually occurred, right? I mean, it doesn't right. seem. So, the one I have a philosopher, a buddy of mine, who believes that the reason uh, we uh, have precognition is because we've already experienced the future. And he argues from Einstein's notion of a block universe that according to Einstein, time is an illusion. And somehow I'm supposed to believe that, our, that we've already lived our lives and there's some kind of a picture of the totality that exists and now and then we tune into it. But, frankly, <laughs> I don't believe that, uh, and, and I don't quite go along with that possible interpretation, uh, because there are cases when precognitive dreams enable the person to avoid the, the future that they precognize. Right. So that, that would work against the notion of the block universe that we've already lived in. Although I have to say it doesn't happen that often. It's called uh, the the intervention paradox, the fact that someone gets a dream about something that's going to happen and they're able to prevent it from happening by taking action. Most of the time, that does not happen. Once in a while, it does. And uh, so I think that precognition really challenges our concept of time. And I haven't a clue as to what the, uh, uh, what the solution to that mystery is.
0: So we've talked about um, telepathy. We've talked about precognition. Where do miracles fit into this psychic soup?
1: Well, the miracles, are, to me, are, are, are the most... Uh, I have picked out and used the term miracles for the most dramatic phenomena, the most striking, and often, but not all the time, Uh, the psychic experiences that I call miracles uh, are related, occur in the context of religion. And the reason for that, I believe, is that it's in the religious situations and uh, mystics and saintly people and uh, religiously intense people who are more psychologically, uh, let's say, primed for unusual Mental experiences, but ordinary people can have, out of the blue, the most amazing experiences too. But uh, but there is definitely a. Um, uh, uh, in my case, I, I have deliberately focused on the most dramatic kinds of phenomena, some of which I've experienced myself. And uh, however, with this qualification, only if there is adequate evidence. the phenomena. I don't just... I'm not just drawn to the extremely uh, queer and shocking phenomena because they're queer and shocking. But if there's good evidence for them, that's something else. So, for example, levitation is far rarer an event than telepathy. You don't (laughs) see too many people flying around every day (laughs) or lifting off the ground. Right. So, uh, but as it turns out, if you do, do your homework, as I did uh, in one case, I studied the, the case of St. Joseph of Cupertino, wrote a book about him, an Italian saint that lived in the 17th century, for which there is an enormous amount of written eyewitness testimony of his 35-year-long career as a levitator. He, was, he, he did it so frequently that he could not function as a priest he would get carried away while saying Mass and rise up into the air in front of the congregation and they all go nuts watching him and the whole <laughs> Mass would be shattered. So eventually his superiors uh, got him to sort of stay by himself and because every time he entered uh, into the public and heard some beautiful sound of music and went into ecstasy or said Mass or Bumped into a pope or something and got awestruck by a, the holiness of the pope, he'd go up in the air. <laughs> and there's, it, it, I find it comical, by the way. Uh, there's an element of, uh, well, I think the smile. There's something funny about a, uh, I mean, there's one story about St. Joseph Cupertino that I love. He was being harassed by. A uh, a a a Spanish ambassador and his and his impetuous wife insisted they wanted to talk to him because they had heard that this is a you know a miracle miracle man that came to to observe him and talk with him. So he he didn't like their approach and and as he approached them, he got carried away and he flew over their heads to and landed in front of a statue of. Of the Virgin Mary, and hovered there in space for a while and then shot back over their heads again and then excused himself because he was unable to talk to the woman. <laughs> the, the the wife of the Spanish ambassador and some of the ladies who, who were with him fainted at the sight of... Uh, and often Joseph, when he levitated, frightened people. I mean, others would just fall sure. down their knees and... Tears and awe, but so I I, I mention that story because I find that kind of comical. What a way to to go to avoid having a conversation with somebody, (laughs) right? Uh, It's far over their heads, and uh, so I I mean, this may sound—I know it will sound totally incredible to the average person—but when you immerse yourself in the literature and you read the documents, sworn affidavits, in the case of Joseph, there's one hundred and fifty different individuals, including people from all walks of society, that swore under oath that they witnessed him levitate, but hundreds, if not thousands more, had to have witnessed him, because not everybody who uh, was in a church uh, who watched him levitate uh, was called by the Inquisition or the church authorities to give a written report or make a statement about it. So, uh, you know, that combination of lots of eyewitness testimony and the phenomenon that is so striking and strange, uh, these, these, I find theoretically very attractive because I've got something to work with. If it's a story that someone thought they saw something 10 years ago, and that doesn't impress me, I'm interested in hard evidence and, uh, it's much more challenging that
0: way. And, of course, the story you just related to us about St. Joseph of Cupertino, uh, you wrote a book about that. As you mentioned, the book is called The Man Who Could Fly, St. Joseph yes. of Cupertino and the Mystery of Levitation.
1: Yes, and, I, I, and then my colleague and I translated one of the best biographies of, of St. Joseph into English, and then I, I abridged it for contemporary readers. And that uh, uh is called uh wings of ecstasy uh and by the way it it's it, that other book <laughs> that you mentioned is so darn expensive that few people have bought it but the the, the translation, which is fascinating on every page uh is only it, i'm not trying to sell the book but i'm just saying if anyone's interested it's sure. only costs the price of a hamburger about fifteen bucks an expensive hamburger. <laughs> But,
0: uh, we are we are talking with Dr. Michael Grosso tonight, uh, particularly about his book called Smile of the Universe, Miracles in an Age of Disbelief. Um, what We mentioned levitation. We've kind of been kind of skirting around some other phenomena here, but if you had to kind of provide a hit list of things that might be fall into this definition of miraculous, other than levitation, what else would we list there?
1: Oh, there's lots, but I mean, the things that I will, Uh, mention that I found so striking, for example, uh, materialization phenomena, which you find, by the way, among saints and among physical mediums. Now, the idea of of something just uh, being produced out of apparent nothingness (laughs) uh, is, again, uh, intellectually quite uh, shocking and incredible. And nevertheless, uh, there are all kinds of uh, evidences uh, for different kinds of materialization. For example, uh, there uh, there are statues. Of, uh, actually, I opened the book with an example of back in, in I think it was nineteen uh, ninety four or something. I saw on the uh, on television a report about a greek church in astoria uh new york city uh, which had which was which housed a, a statue of saint irene that was weeping now i knew the history of this subject it goes back to the 12th century at least stories of statues and paintings that weep mm-hmm. and bleed mm-hmm. And so I said, "Heck, I want to go." This is. It turned out coincidentally that uh, Astoria was my hometown. I was born in Astoria, so and, and I was living in uh, in New York City at the time, in Manhattan. Uh, and so I paid a, a visit with a colleague of mine. Went to the church because it was on in the news on Channel Four, I recall. Got there and I described that in the opening a passage of my uh, in the opening of my book. Well, what it was is uh, this uh, statue, and I uh, went right up. I was able to walk right up and, and look at it, uh, and um, you could see there was large tears uh, were uh, uh, appearing just around the eyes. Then I had a conversation with the, the priest there, and I asked if they had done a test yet to find out if it was really Real tears. It turns Mm -hmm. out that some of these statues that appear to weep, many of them uh, do turn out to be actual have the chemical uh, structure of tears. Some of them just water. But either way, it's still uh, inexplicable. Uh, But he told me that they they had that this uh, was investigated and that it was a statue that had produced tears on several occasions, and usually the tears signified something of danger or of threat to to the religious community. And that follows. There's a whole history of that. Uh, you know, we can go back to nineteen seventeen, the famous Fatima uh apparition, uh that uh the, apparently the Virgin Mary uh appeared there. That's right, this is that's not an exact that's a different example. Uh there was no statues that were weeping. That's a different story though. But actually, in the 1990s, and I have this in, uh, in a chapter in my book, there seemed to have been a, uh, a virtual uh, epidemic of weeping and bleeding religious statues all over the world—in uh, in Russia, in many of the uh, European countries, and in America. And as a matter of fact, there was uh, a case in, in uh, not far from Washington where a uh, the, there was a Catholic priest by the name of uh, James Bruce, uh who, uh, around him, a whole bunch of statues started weeping. Reporters from the Washington Post arrived on the scene. I think they wrote about it. I, this I picked up after. I learned about this story after. The, I missed it, <laughs> even though I live in Virginia, and uh, I, I somehow didn't catch that story. Uh, so uh, materialization... Uh, phenomena uh, is one one example. And there's just so many instances in so many cases, one which I myself uh, witnessed. Then there are cases, uh, phenomena of uh, dematerialization and where objects um, apparently uh, disappear or just disappear from current space and go somewhere else. Curiously enough, I myself can boast of a, a of a dematerialization phenomenon that I witnessed and i and I'll explain very briefly uh, and then I'll give a better example, but th- my experience was I was trying to help a family uh, who were uh, not, nine people the family and friends of the family witnessed a ghost. Uh, and it was a nasty kind of a ghost that liked to annoy the women in the house, particularly appear in the bathroom when they were showering and so forth. So the I knew the people. I got to know the people. They were highly intelligent. I mean, they weren't making this up. Uh, these haunting stories uh, uh, occur uh, all the time. So I decided to visit them. And on one occasion, I brought a small picture of Padre Pio, and I suggested put this somewhere away from the kids where they can't see it and and put it in some visible place, like in a a cabinet, which she did, Mm -hmm. the woman of the house. And and I said, maybe, you know, maybe Padre Pio would scare away this nasty uh, ghost. Uh, Padre Pio is a famous Italian saint uh, of the 20th century. So, um... Within a few days, she called me back. She says it's gone. There was, and, and she put it in a place. She says quite clearly uh, where it was quite out of out of the question where anybody could have stolen. And I knew this woman. She was very intelligent, very serious. There's no reason for me to doubt uh, that she's messing with my head and making right. me believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, so okay, so that
0: uh, that kind of. And she never she never recovered it, never found the statue? Never,
1: wow. never recovered it. It absolutely uh, disappeared forever. But far more interesting, that's just one story uh, that I happen to have had. But uh, in 1995, you might really remember this, there was a, a phenomenon that took place in India. Uh, in fact, all over the world where there were Indian temples and statues of uh, the elephant-headed god Ganesha, the remover of obstacles. And the story that, uh, of that event was that a, an Indian in New Delhi had a dream of Ganesha, the god, and told him, told the dreamer, go out and bring me milk. Uh, in other words, bring my statue milk. So this gentleman went out, uh, freaked out by the dream, impressed by the dream, rushes out, Brings a cup of milk and puts it under the uh, under the face of the uh, of the uh, statue, and instead of it's like pouring it into the container or whatever, the milk disappears in front of his eyes. Mm. And to make a long story short, by the end of the day, all of India and temples and churches or not temples, I mean Indian temples, all over the world where there's that particular statue, are reporting the same phenomenon. Now, here's the neat thing about this story. I actually watched it occur on uh, CNN. Really? A BBC reporter, you know, heard about it. The whole, you know, it was a major news story mm-hmm. on that one day. Mm-hmm. And the reporter had a cup of milk, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh placed it under one of the statues. The camera goes right over the uh, cup cup of milk, and you just see the milk go down, down, down to a little drop and disappears. I saw it myself. The the reporter's face was, his mind was blown. You could see he was completely amazed, you know. Then, fortunately, later on, uh, uh, a couple of months later, in a class I was teaching, I had two Indian students. That witnessed the the, uh, the 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 phenomenon themselves and uh, wrote me up a you know eyewitness account of it. <laughs> Excuse me. I have uh, allergies. I've been you know, my throat's itching. I've been coughing, but um, so that that is a quite a remarkable uh, story. Um, and what I find so remarkable about it, I mean, my, my student pointed out that there was a milk shortage in India that day, which I had read about. And my student actually confirmed that interesting fact. Hmm. Uh, now, the Indian um, intellectuals in Western, so in the field of Western science tried to explain this phenomenon, in the most ridiculous, you know, it's. I find it funny watching people try to explain these things away when the evidence is so overwhelming. Right. Right. They came up with some ridiculous idea, uh, and uh, they talked about the capillary action of the statue that somehow absorbed the milk, which is utter nonsense <laughs> because people just held cups of milk up. They didn't go near the statue. And what I saw was the milk disappear from the statue. Uh, And there were thousands of reports of the actual event taking place. But what amazed me about this particular phenomenon was how quickly it was forgotten in in the Western world. It seemed that uh, I I would think if something like that happened in America, they'd have a couple of books come out. I have yet to be able to track down a... uh, Separate, you know, scientific study, a collection. Because so many people saw the thing uh, that um, you would think that some Indian or anyone uh, uh, interested in these phenomena. But maybe there is, maybe there are books out there. I mean, I, I'm probably
0: in that, partic- uh, in that
1: particular. Ex- to,
0: yeah, in that yeah. particular example, did only one person have the dream, or was did many people have the dream?
1: No, one person as far as I know and that triggered the whole thing. The minute the minute he had that experience, he called people out and and it just spread like wildfire. here's the, the I forgot to mention the the critique of this attempt to explain it away and I, and I don't blame them trying to, but it doesn't work because it only occurred one day. One day, 24 hours. Now, if their uh, capillary action theory right. was right. true It would happen all the it should time be an ongoing yeah yeah all the time right. no, well, clearly the milk uh phenomenon was an authentic is totally baffling, i swear i mean I, of all the things i mean I've been baffled by many things, but that one is super baffling to my mind. you yeah. know where'd that milk go? Yeah. how did things disappear into nothingness? uh i i don't know uh, other than you know another dimension of reality where things come out into our world and mm-hmm. sometimes disappear int back into uh, that something like that might be happening but uh again deeply mysterious and puzzling
0: i wonder if uh if if you saw a report live on cnn i wonder if there's footage of that on youtube we'd have, that, we'd have to we have somebody uh, search I, I,
1: I thought of uh, checking that out. Uh, actually, I did find recently, I rechecked a uh, a BBC report of an Indian woman uh, performing uh, the attempt to, to, to witness this miracle, but I was not satisfied by it. Uh, it was not like the thing that I saw back in 1995. Uh, in fact, it was September 21st. I remember the date. Wow. Uh, but, uh, but that doesn't mean it's not there. I was thinking of writing the BBC. I haven't done that. If they could send me the, 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 uh, you know, a copy of that, of that phenomenon, there's no doubt I saw it. And, uh, and, you know, uh, and, and there's no doubt that this thing occurred because, you know, if you look at milk miracle in India, look it up on, on the web, there's a lot of stuff on there, uh, about it. And, um, so that that's another striking, uh, deeply uh, counterintuitive, intuitive uh, phenomenon. I'm also very interested in healing. Uh, I mean, that's a practical form of a miracle, and uh, there are, you know, all kinds of stories, endless variety of stories of unusual, unexplainable uh, healings. Of, uh, of individuals, I mean, and a, a great deal has been written on on this subject. There is a, one book I'll mention is uh, by a uh, a Canadian uh, historian of religion uh, by the name of Jacqueline Dufan, and what she found something she studied the archives of miraculous healings in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church keeps records of these things, very legalistic. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they um, and what she discovered over over hundreds of years was that no matter how sophisticated the medical uh, uh, experts that were brought in to scrutinize the validity of the reported miracles, the rate of inexplicable healing type miracles. Is constant. And nowadays, and in modern times, they bring in doctors who are not Catholics, Jews, non-believers, atheists, whoever, to make sure that there's no bias. And the criteria for determining whether a healing is truly inexplicable are very severe. And uh, so, again, these are you know nitpicking detailed stories that that you can that the serious student can can investigate i I have some some of that material uh, I cover in my book you know i wrote when I wrote about Joseph of copertino, I was interested in the one phenomenon levitation uh but in my book on miracles uh, I got uh, a little more excited <laughs> and tried to cover the whole range uh and I realized that it I just scratched the surface uh, i i'm uh, since i wrote that uh, i'm i'm I still am collecting material uh, this uh, I need three lifetimes to cover all the stuff that's out there and to write about it, but uh, I'm happy that I've done at least a couple of things
0: yeah it was was that was, uh, was going to be yeah. my my next question too when you set out mm. when you set out to compile this information research. Miracles as a category, other than mm-hmm. maybe uh, you know biblical mentions, where would you seek them out?
1: Oh well, there's still, God. It's all over the place in in, in history, in uh, history books, in uh, biographies, in of course, in the specialized uh, organizations that do this kind of research, uh, parapsychological psycho research. Uh, actually even go, going back to the uh, uh, 18th century, uh, with the rise of mesmerism or what we call a hypnotism, there are all kinds of amazing, spiritual, inexplicable phenomena. Uh, German, French, Italian, Europe, uh, Polish, uh, a lot of Polish uh, uh, mediums and mystics. So there's tons of stuff out there. The trouble is... Uh, uh, Jason, right? JV, JV,
0: the initials JV.
1: Oh, okay, JC. Uh, it's just, uh, there's so much material out there, and it's very difficult to get mainstream scientists in our culture to be interested in these matters. And, and that, that's a complicated story unto itself. But,. Um, uh, one of the one of my reasons for writing this and as other colleagues of mine who write about unusual phenomena is to try to get some i mean many are science i'm I'm not a scientist i'm a trained my training is in philosophy i know something about science so uh, it's a little frustrating to try to um get people interested uh in these phenomena because think of what it could think of what it could mean if we could understand how these so many extraordinary types of healing phenomena take place this would be an important you know addition to our to our uh, healing or healthcare paradigm if mm-hmm. we took this stuff more seriously uh, I'll, I'll, I'll i'll mention one uh, example where sort of quasi miracles come into play with with science on an almost daily basis And that is the placebo phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll just give one example. It turns out that the evidence suggests that people who take placebos for depression are almost, uh, uh, the placebo is almost, statistically speaking, as effective as the so-called drugs that actually produce benefits. It's just a matter of a few percentage points uh, of the difference. So the the placebo is also an incredibly versatile effect. Uh, You know, it it, it, it can affect all kinds of illnesses. The sheer belief uh, and expectation that something is going to help you can help you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And uh, that is carried to extremes. I call that a miracle too. Yeah. How is the mind able to do these things? Just mind.
0: And we need to, we need to explore this a little bit because, and you use the word belief because the effectiveness of a placebo is through the effectiveness of you believing it's going to work. Therefore, therefore would, would miracles in some fashion be a product of, of belief?
1: I think so. I think that, although many are not, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think people like, say, Joseph of Cupertino or or a yogi who is immersed in in the tradition and has stories, traditions, saints, holy people uh, that they have learned about, their belief quotient, so to speak, is very high. But the trouble is that belief is a misleading, or not an adequate term. It's uh, belief. It's not. We're not talking about belief in a concept. It's not like I believe in God, therefore miracles are going to occur to me. Mm -hmm. No, it's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. The belief has to be more like uh, the uh, uh, kind of a visceral expectation and hope, a trust. There's that the Greek word for belief or faith in the New Testament. Pistis means p i s t i s. It means trust. It doesn't mean, you know, abstract belief. Uh, can, can I it, believe in uh, yeah. It, it, so that 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 is a big psychological variable that comes into play in the occurrence of extraordinary. Uh, phenomena but not all the time.
0: <laughs> and can we, can time. when we use yeah. the word belief there and you, and you said you know you, you were massaging the way we use it in this particular instance does it start to turn mm-hmm. into the same meaning as the word faith?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh but even faith um I think there are different grades, degrees, depths mm-hmm. of faith. Uh I have a general belief That miracles are possible, but I'm not a very religious person by temperament, so it's not uh, a um, a vivid, ongoing, intense thing for me. The belief. Uh, So I'm trying to emphasize that there has to usually there is a uh, a deep, uh, persistent psychological state that we call belief, expectation, imagination has to be mm-hmm. keyed up, um, emotion, and it has, there has to be an emotional comment, uh, a component to the belief or the faith. Uh, and, um, and then again, I have to say, a <laughs> lot of people are truly pious, truly faithful, and nothing happens to them in the way of miracles. They go through life like, you know, ordinary folks, suffering, without the benefit of any apparent miraculous uh, interventions. So that's the way it is.
0: Yeah, and I, I, uh, I, find, I find the word, as we kind of massaged this a little bit, I find it curious that the word faith could be considered, uh, you know, kind of an important part of what we're talking about. And faith clearly is the the prevailing principle necessary for Catholicism or other religions, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know so that 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 connection I find very interesting. I uh, you know I mean we've often thought of miracles as being a divine product, um, right? And now we're talking about faith in both both uh, both sides of this discussion. So I, I find that curious.
1: Yeah, and it's curious because sometimes you wonder is it the belief or the thing that you believe in. Now there is a famous case of. Uh, Of a um, placebo, uh, which is sort of written about in the history of the subject, where a guy was dying of cancer. I'll just summarize this in a few sentences. The guy is dying of cancer, and he believed in. He somehow acquired the belief that he heard about this new drug called krebiazin, and he believed in it, and uh, and he begged his doctor to get it, get a, a, a sample of it. So he got it. And his cancer, he had uh, lymph, uh, uh, what do you call it, tumors all over his body, Mm. the size of oranges. Mm. The minute he took this uh, uh, shot of crabiacin, they vanished. And within a few days, he was out of the hospital, perfectly healthy, an amazing story. And he goes out, and he's living his life, having fun, until he reads an article about crabiacin. And it states that, it turns out, the doctors uh, don't think it's very effective after all. The cancer comes back, and he goes back to his doctor, and his doctor figured out, he says to himself, hmm, this guy is very suggestible. So I'm going to give him more story about Trabias." He said, look, I'm going to give you the right uh, dosage now. You've got the wrong dosage. So in fact, he just gives him an injection of water. <laughs> There's nothing. He gives him nothing. Mm-hmm. But the guy believes believes it. Okay, this sick person, he believes that he's taken the curbiones, which is a useless uh, horse serum for, for horses. Okay, and again, he heals completely, rapidly, and he goes off to flying planes and living his happy life. You know the story, how it's going to end. You can predict, probably. He finally reads a decisive report that Krabiazin is completely worthless. This time, the cancer comes back immediately, and he dies. Now, here's the point about this amazing but also disturbing story. Apparently, what healed him was simply the belief. It wasn't the Krebiazin. It was the belief, and so something in him, his faith, his psyche was geared in such a way that he was totally attuned to the idea that he was going to get well, and he got well. Again, that doesn't happen all the time, but it did with this particular case. Mm -hmm. And so it raises the question uh, that you hint at yourself, what's causing the... Quotes miracle, is it the belief or what you is it the belief or the act of faith or the thing that you have faith in? And in the case of the the story I just narrated, clearly it had nothing to do with what he he what he believed in and mm-hmm. what he had faith in. So, uh, on the other hand, most people uh, can feel that they have the gift of faith they can believe in god i mean, I mean god is uh, is not you know a horse serum so uh but one wonders is it god or is it the believer that heals him himself or herself right i don't know
0: right yeah. where can people buy the book oh um
1: it, just amazon you know it's <laughs> it's the uh that's how i would just order it on amazon
0: that's probably the well, easiest they, they make it easy yeah. for people don't they yeah let's talk yeah. about let's talk about mainstream science uh for a bit and you you said this this could be a whole discussion unto itself uh but mm-hmm. mainstream science seems to want to ignore not just what we're talking about here tonight but you know we talk about a lot of things on this program that deserve a, a serious and honest look and discussion and uh anybody who, you know, falls into that mainstream science uh, category doesn't even want to have the conversation as it relates to miracles. Why is that? Well,
1: I, I, you know, there are a couple of a couple of reasons. One of them, of course, is simply that uh, science, the way it has evolved in the Western world, is largely physical science. So. Uh, I mean, we are talking about everything I've we have just uh, been discussing and uh, in, in involves phenomena that uh, are inexplicable in terms of of uh, contemporary physics, and this is an unfortunate uh, mistake. I believe it's a metaphysical mistake to assume uh, that um, that if a subject, if a phenomenon is not Readily explainable in terms of, of physics and chemistry, that it, it can't be real. So that's that's you know scientists are human beings. They have habits. They are they're worried about their jobs. If they if they uh, let's say in a university start teaching story you know talking about materialization, uh, the chairman of the board there will come out and fire them or something. <laughs> I mean there are lots of stories. Of individuals who are, whose careers have been destroyed because they dared to to broach these subjects, and there's another reason, another historical reason that uh, people are not uh, too aware of, uh, and that is the the Reformation, uh, which took place in you know uh, the, back in the 15th, 16th century, earlier than the Scientific Revolution. Uh, these folks were, you know, at war with the papists, you know, the Catholics. Right? They broke away from the Catholic tradition, and they decided arbitrarily, and in my judgment, quite stupidly, that uh, miracles were only real during the during biblical times, and that after biblical times, God or whatever it is that makes miracles possible, <laughs> uh, got the lost interest in, you know, helping and inspiring or, uh, you know, uh, performing uh, as a miracle maker uh, in in modern times. So you have the whole Protestant Reformation, which is associated uh, in part with the rise of science and also uh, associated uh, in part with the rise of capitalism. I mean, there are scholarly studies that Make those connections. So, in a in our sort of modern, uh, sort capitalist, uh, even religious culture, uh, aside from you know some some exceptions, uh, the scientific and even the spiritual perspective of some so called believers. Is just set up in such a way that they uh, they can't accept these things as, as real, uh, and uh, I, I find it almost fascinating uh, to to observe and to, some of the examples of the of the devious and ridiculous things that people say to avoid uh, confronting uh, with these miracles. I mean, I had one review of my book on on Joseph's, uh, St. Joseph's Levitations, which was uh, an unbelievably uh, unprofessional response. It was in the the Journal of uh, Skeptical Inquiry. These guys think they're real skeptics, when they're not, because skeptics just means thinking. Uh, But anyway, the, the, the reviewer, I won't even mention his name, A, did not mention any of the case histories or the data that I summoned for the reader that detailed examples and illustrations of the evidence, the eyewitness evidence. But instead, here's the part that I I found so ridiculous and comical almost. He came up with a theory. The title of the article was, did did St. Joseph really levitate the question? And his explanation was that because St. Joseph spent hours and hours on his knees praying every day, that he built up such powerful leg muscles (laughs) that he became a trapeze artist secretly (laughs) and that he practiced uh, flying around and giving the appearance that he could fly. This is so stupid. First of all, your muscles don't grow when you're on your knees praying. It's the opposite. Right, Right, right. All right, it's total opposite. (laughs) And he ignores every page in my book, page after page, where I pour out the evidence, the witnesses. He doesn't say a word, and he spends the whole review concocting this ridiculous idea that Joseph was a great gymnast, and he actually compares him to... uh, Uh, It his name, Jordan, the great basketball player,
0: Michael Jordan, Uh,
1: uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah, he says uh, he makes some kind of a a comparison uh, with Michael Jordan. It's so stupid, this this piece of writing that it's incredible. And I'm sure the man who wrote it, I'm not going to mention his name, is an intelligent, decent human being. But he's got a block. He does not and cannot bring himself to believe that these things actually occur. Uh, and uh, so what do you do? You just, uh, I ignore it. I just yeah, don't. Yeah, you uh, have to. I, I don't take it seriously.
0: You have to. You um, have to. And,
1: uh, but it does prevent, you know, I mean, I, I was able to teach a course in psychic phenomena when, when I was a teacher. I was retired. That's a joke. I'm working more now than I ever did. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, it, it could—I mean, I did—I I remember a student who took one of my courses in psychic phenomena. He said, my psych professor told me I should not take this course with you because if I do—this is what he said. If I take this course with you, it's going to ruin my life. Now, can you imagine a, a, another university professor in the same university I'm teaching telling that to a student— I mean, it's it's utterly uh, incredible. Wow! But this, you know, but the, it, the student took the course and enjoyed it, and uh, uh, so uh, it, it it's a challenge. And however, there's one good thing that's happening. I, I noticed before you mentioned something about UFOs. Uh, by the way, I've also had an encounter with a UFO, but uh, it is interesting. I would like to. You probably are aware of this, but. Since 2017, articles have been appearing in the New York Times that clearly admit, are are beginning to show an admission of the reality of the UFO phenomenon. And so that's a good sign uh, that uh, the official uh, sort of intellectual establishment is, is being forced to open up and confront uh, the reality of the uh, of the UFO phenomena, which, incidentally, is mixed with all kinds of paranormal stuff. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Including levitation and telepathy. All that stuff is frequently reported in many of the uh, UFO or UAP, as they like to right. call it now, unidentified aerial phenomena. Because uh, I, I myself... Had it? I don't believe that UFOs are from outer space. I believe they. But I don't know this. This is just my mm-hmm. my hunch that they are from another dimension of reality. It's more from inner space, but very far inner space. Uh, and uh, it's just hard for me to imagine that uh, there are uh, entities cruising around this immense universe vows, just to come and peek on us. Yeah. My, my experience was I uh, I was listening to John Coltrane's music, Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, my girlfriend, and I looked out the window and I saw this UFO flying around. I won't go into the story in detail. Then a third person on the roof saw the same thing. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and then I was listening to Coltrane's Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, Okay, and then the UFO, after it's dancing around right in the front of us, I'm on the sixth floor in Greenwich Village. It shoots over to a, a church down the block, a Catholic church, and beams at us from the dome of Our Lady of Pompeii. Oh, wow. Blew our minds. Yeah. Blew our minds completely, you know. Wow. And uh, one of the most striking, unusual experiences I've ever had, but, uh, and a mystery, complete mystery to me.
0: When we, but, uh, when, when we when we when yeah. we talk about uh, miraculous occurrences or miracles, um, mm-hmm. do people have a uh, an ability to ability to to consciously affect them um, or manifest them? I mean, we talked about things like healing and right. the placebo effect, which would be, I think, an unconscious or a subconscious way mm-hmm. to affect mm-hmm. that. But what about a conscious way to do it? Could could well, I if, could I, I learn how to how to manifest? Yeah.
1: I would say that some people uh, who are uh, saints, sorcerers, uh, physical mediums, they can. Uh, I mean, as I read the literature at any rate, uh, Jesus, for example, seems to have been a a healer. Uh, And he kind of knew what he was doing. I mean, uh, he'd lay his hands on someone and they'd be healed. Uh, the same sort of thing you hear about that today. I mean, there are all kinds of reports of extraordinary healing. So yeah, I think the answer to the to your question is there are some people uh, who can apparently uh, willfully or, uh, or at least try. I mean, th- then there are others who, who try and hope for a, uh, a miracle. I have a section in my book uh, where I talk about the psychological variables that increase the probability. You know, parapsychology really is a, a psychical. Phenomena. It's a probabilistic science. It's not like the physics where you know the laws of physics are going to be valid when you get in a plane and fly. Fortunately, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you never know for sure when or how, uh, a, uh, and, and and how far a uh, uh, an apparently extraordinary phenomenon. Uh, will unfold itself, uh, maybe partially, maybe fully, maybe it'll repeat itself on another occasion. There's far less control. But there are, but you, I would say this it is possible to increase the probability of what I like to call, you know, extraordinary breakthroughs. I, I don't like to use the word miracle all the time because, right. uh, but, you know, uh, I think we can uh i mean people get together and pray over someone who's sick and there are reports that, that it works sometimes the group uh the group context uh can sometimes uh en- enhance the potentiality of producing an extraordinary phenomenon. Mm-hmm. so a lot of the times it just happens sometimes it's just the un un unrewarding person, but I should say a person who least expects it may be. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, I met a guy once who so was talking about uh, levitation who explained to me how he fell off a boat once while he was sailing, uh, not sailing, it was a motorboat with buddies of his. He fell, fell off a boat, uh, and as he was falling, he would have. if he kept on going, he would have fallen under the boat, probably and killed or drowned. Right. But as he was falling, he felt himself slow up in space, kind of a levitation in slow motion, and gave him enough time to grab on a rope and save himself. And the people on the boat watched him do that, and they were everyone witnessed that curious, inexplicable slowing up. So here's a guy that's not, you know, who knows why he was lucky in, in that sense that that happened. Lots of people fall. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And they're they not help. They're not say nothing happens. Right. And uh, but it, so things like that do happen. Other times it's intense prayer or chanting of a, of a, of a, a mantra, uh, over and over again to produce a desired effect. So it's hard to come up with rules in the realm of the miraculous.
0: Yeah, it seems—it yeah. seems, for lack of a better word, a bit arbitrary um
1: it does that's I agree with you and and and, and why some people uh, maybe pray to, until they're blue in the face and nothing happens right they go through life stamped on you know crapped all, all over by fate but um and others um, are luckier or are rewarded in their efforts, so there is an element of arbitrariness uh at least as it appears to
0: us as it appears right? As that's as it right is. that's right that's right
1: i mean the big the bigger hidden picture of reality uh, may have the answers i like to think that's true sometimes uh and i'm also willing i find it's important to to be able to uh live with uncertainty and with perplexity and mystery and and still carry on and
0: not know for sure
1: yeah uh and um that 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 seems to me a useful attitude to adopt.
0: We're going to run out of time here, but I wanted to ask um, about your uh, understanding of the existence of miracles and the afterlife. Is there any uh, connection, any connection
1: uh, between these two ideas? Abs- absolutely. And funny,
0: curiously,
1: I'm so glad you asked that question because I have friends and colleagues who are seriously interested in research on life after death. I have not done that kind of uh, research myself, but I've read extensively. And I, I, maybe I have to sit down and write a paper about this and make it clear, although I've hinted at it. The mir- Most of the, the miracles that uh, especially uh, interest me in my book at any rate Are miracles uh, that involve mind over matter, or psychokinesis, or telekinesis? There are a couple of words for that. Now, my belief is that the the more powerful we can demonstrate the human mind to be, especially from extraordinary uh, experiences, uh, where that involves psychokinesis, you know, like healing effects or whatever they are, where the mind is shaping and influencing and impacting directly upon physical events, the stronger the evidence for those kinds of phenomena or miracles, as I've been calling them, the stronger the the plausibility, the more likely that the mind is the kind of thing that is inherently potent enough to survive the death of the body. Now, I, I, that, that's part of it. So, yes, the, in my judgment, miracles demonstrate the power of the mind, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, the intangible, and uh, it they it strongly suggests that uh, uh, that it, 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 our minds are so potent, so inherently independent of material existence that. Uh, when we die, uh, we shed our bodies, but we keep our minds, and our minds carry on. So uh, I, I would also argue there are philosophical arguments that fit with that. Uh, you know, most scientists today agree on one very, very important point, and that is they cannot explain consciousness. Right. Why? Uh, consciousness is a totally intangible thing. Uh, you know... Where is it? Where, where is the dream that you had last night? Can you locate it in space? No. Can you locate it in your brain? Impossible. But we all have minds that direct our bodies, that shape our lives and cause things to happen physically. Uh, so, um, But the point is, our, our, uh, if our minds are not reducible to our bodies, and they have a, a separate... Existence, Even though mind and body interact constantly, mind and brain are constantly interacting, but there's two different things, two different kinds of substance. Well, you already there have an argument for life after death, because if my mind uh, is not a byproduct of my brain, uh, not reducible to my brain, then in some sense it must have existed prior to my brain. If it exists prior to my brain, why should it not exist after the death of my brain? So already you have an argument for life after death. Nevertheless, it's good to have separate evidences for life after death. And as a matter of fact, there's lots of that. The near-death experience, apparitions. uh, I myself was physically attacked by a ghost in a haunted house one night. So I know that you know, people ask me do you believe in ghosts. I sure as heck do. I was physically assaulted by one. Wow. So uh, uh, yeah, the answer to your question is they, these phenomena are interwoven with a, a, a larger case that we can make for the survival of consciousness after death. I
0: have to I have to ask you a question about one of your other books called the, the book is The Final Choice. Uh, which which I believe you had published in 2017, but uh, the description for the book reads something like, these are dangerous times and history seems to be accelerating toward what? It's starting to look like a big crash. Not a clash of civilizations, but civilization itself crashing. That's... Fr- how does that look now in 2020? Those words.
1: Well, uh, more, more so. Actually, yeah. the final choice I wrote in the—that was the first book I ever wrote—and someone asked me to rewrite it, or rather, to republish it. Uh, I published the first book and uh, the version of it, a fatter version, in
0: 1985.
1: Oh wow! Okay. And I, w- I, I was concerned then about uh, nuclear. Uh, uh, weapons mm-hmm. threatening the survival of the species since that time, we have climate change which is threatening us with catastrophe, and there are many scientists who think we're past the the tipping point in that no matter what we do at this point things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and then add to that our current uh uh having to deal with this um uh, pan, pandor, uh, Pandemic. <laughs> Pandemic. I am yeah. going say Pandora's box. <laughs> well, <right>? that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. We're we're in a very uh, and and my other variable. I call it these there are mega trends pushing us toward a climax in history, and the other mega trend that I think is the, a source of incurable instability as it is now is the unbelievable uh, disparity of wealth between the rich and the poor everywhere on the planet earth, which implies a a uh you know an a, a social instability added and it's getting worse all over the place. I mean there are wars taking place, there are characters appearing in, in the political scene that are more and more fascistic. it's a very disturbing time. So yeah, uh, that 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 uh, the, the, I retitled the, the subtitle of that book in the, the 2017 version, and I and the subtitle is uh, 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 death or transcendence question uh, mark. So I I believe that we're going into a really absolutely original and critical period of history where we're going to be tested and. Uh, in ways that we've never been tested before. On the good side, I, 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 uh, what I explore in that book is the notion uh, of—it's a, a, a strange-sounding idea, I'll admit it, but I think it makes sense we can think about it as a possibility—a kind of global near-death experience. Uh, we know that the, the, the some, the some scientists—in uh, fact, Raymond Moody wrote a wonderful book called uh, Visions of Eternity— which is about group near-death experiences. Somebody is dying, and they're having a near-death experience, and sometimes the people around them hook up with that experience and get into it and go into that world with them. So you wonder what may happen as things really start to come apart. It's as though uh, it, it often is the case that when your back is up against the wall, I think it was Sartre who said genius is what happens when your back is up against the wall. (laughs) When you're confronting death or catastrophe or disintegration, sometimes the most potent creative forces emerge. And that's my optimistic take on what's happening right now. Already we see it. Lots of people are coming up with new ideas, uh, striking, interesting ideas. Mm -hmm. So even though it's a terrifying, disturbing time, it may also be... A great moment in the historical evolution of our amazing
0: human species. Well, that's an optimistic but, uh, look. I, one more, one more question. Then, then we're just going to be out of time here. It, given okay. all the things that we just you just outlined in that answer, these things that are facing us as a global population, as a as a race, as a species, uh, where and how can the belief in an existence of miracles help us through something like this?
1: Well, I I think by uh, by think of the uh, in, in the near death experience, what happens is that your attention is torn away from ordinary everyday life. Right, and 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 the same thing seems to happen for a, an artist who's inspired. Uh, sometimes they're a little crazy, right? Musicians carried away. I think that as we are dislodged from everyday life and our everyday habits. People are thinking of new ways of doing things. You have to. You have to be inventive when you're confronted with, uh, when your back is up against a wall and you're threatened on all sides. So I think that given the premise that each of us, I believe that each human being possesses extraordinary abilities, and I'm not, that's not based on fancy. It's based on Assembling all of the facts about these extraordinary phenomena, and making the plausible assumption that this is part of human potential, the question is what, how can we, or what can we do to liberate those those potentials? What I'm saying is that large scale challenges to how to live, as we're facing now. Uh, could very well be uh, part of a pattern of global awakening and uh, and and global self-education. I mean, people are are going to be are forced to think of new ways to live, and who knows what may arise out of that chaos and challenge that seems to be taking place. But again, I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't have this uh, assumption of this theory. If I hadn't done tons of research right. into what I know, is possible.
0: Yeah, know you've done it, on, Yeah, you've yeah, done a uh, tremendous amount of work in, uh, in substantiating the uh, the ideas you present in the book. Again, it's called Smile of the Universe: Miracles in an Age of Disbelief, uh, and it's. You said it's available on Amazon. Is there any other way that people can follow your work, or is the best well, thing to go just to go buy the oh, books?
1: Well, to buy the book, I, I also have a, uh, a blog. Uh, It's called Consciousness Unbound. Uh, That's on uh, yeah. If you just look that up with my name, uh, it should come up. And uh, I'm on Facebook, and I like to talk to people uh, uh, who um, are interested in these things. And I have nice conversations on Facebook and with my blog. And uh, uh, and then there's the books that are available all through Amazon. Uh, or a library. If you can't afford to buy a book, maybe it's in the library. <laughs> I,
0: I just—I imagine since this particular book has come out, you—you you probably have people contacting you with their stories of miracles they've witnessed or experienced themselves. Is that happening? Some,
1: that 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 yes that that does happen, and uh, I uh, uh, I'm learning every day, and uh, if I'm not learning from from living people, uh, I'm. I'm reading. I'm digging material up. There's so much out there on yeah. on the internet. Uh, of course, you have to be discriminating too. Right. And uh, but uh, yes, I'm I'm learning a great deal from other people, and it's an ongoing adventure. Um, and uh, I'm excited about it.
0: Well, you should be. Great work, and uh, Mike, thanks so much for being here and sharing all of this with us tonight.
1: My pleasure, and I thank you very much.